Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. Please reach out to me in one of several ways. You can find me on latalkradio.com through my show page, All Things Therapy on Channel One, or you can go directly to my website, which is NOLA Therapy. It stands for New Orleans, Los Angeles therapy. From either place, you're able to email me. I'd love to really connect with you as my listener. If you have feedback for me, if you're interested in being a guest on this show, uh, I appreciate all the subscriptions so far to my show through iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. I have a YouTube channel as well that's called NOLA Therapy. So please keep supporting me. Um, I just am really grateful to be able to do this every week for two years now. You're able to listen to archived episodes through LA Talk Radio or my website. And there's a link to support my work through the crowdfunding campaign that I have with Patreon as well. And this show is brought to you by Audible. They offer almost 200,000 downloads of audiobooks. And as my listener, they offer you a month-long free subscription along with an audiobook download of your choice. To check that out, simply go to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. And that is all one word. So my guest today is really interesting and unique for my show. I am about to be with Frank Ford. He is a founding member of the four-day weekend comedy troupe. And they are a comedy troupe that has performed together for 21 years. They have performed for President Obama, Vice President Biden, CNBC, and Southwest Airlines, to include just a few of, of their performances. They do corporate events and trainings. Frank was just telling me before coming live that they have moved into mental health and well-being with working with practitioners such as myself and others. Today we are going to talk about the book that three of the founding fathers of Four Day Weekend wrote together. Uh, The two other authors are David Wilk and David Ahern. Their book is called Happy Accidents. The Transformative Power of Yes and at Work and in Life. And this book is really about the power that our words contain and how we can change our circumstances and also how we can meet unexpected circumstances by changing our framework and how we view things. 
This book is a national bestseller and on March 7th went international with Indonesia buying rights. So Frank, I'm happy to have you on and congratulations with the expansion with Indonesia. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Boy, that sounded impressive. I can't wait to meet this guy. It sounds amazing. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> oh, God. No, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, we were excited about the, uh, the international rights, and Indonesia being uh, the, the first country to buy up the rights to the book. So, yeah, things have been going great. And, and uh, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure and an honor. You're welcome. Where do you want to start us off? with the work you guys oh have done and a, a good place to begin for today? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's, let's start off, put it into context for uh, anyone who's listening who may have, may have not seen an improv show or understand what the Yes End philosophy is about. Let me explain sort of what the is about, and we can kind of go from there. How about that? Perfect. All right. Well, the Yes End, or, you know, the book, in the book, we have it titled, you know, Happy Accidents, the Transformative Power of Yes End at Work and in Life. And what Yes End is, is basically Yes End is the, the cornerstone philosophy, principle, tenet of all improvisation. So whether you've gone to the Second City, the Groundlings, you've been to UCB Upright Citizens Brigade, you've seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh, Improv Asylum in Boston, or our show, you know that performers take an audience suggestion, and then they'll make up a scene or a song based on, or a show, based on those suggestions. Well, how do you do that? How people look at us and go, oh my gosh, you guys must be so quick. I mean, people yell out a suggestion, you just go with it. Well, the reason that we are able to, as improvisers, go with it, as they say, uh, is because we practice a philosophy called yes and. Now, what is yes and? Well, yes and, when you're on stage and somebody yells out a suggestion, you don't have time to judge the gift, the offering, or the suggestion. You only have time to agree to it, to say yes. So it opens your mind uh, from a no or yes but default that most of society operates from, and it puts you into a being present, being in the moment, accepting of any and all ideas in a yes sort of mindset. That's the yes part. The end part, A-N-D, is after you agree to it as a group on stage, you build on the pertinent information or the idea and you yes end it into a song or a scene or, or subject matter to see where it goes. That's the yes end. And 21 years ago when we started, uh, our show was signed on for a six-week run. And six weeks turned into six months. Six months turned into six years. Six years turned into 21 years and counting. And somewhere along the way, we needed a business philosophy. And mm -hmm. we didn't have one. The only thing we had was yes and. And we said, well, wait a minute. I wonder if the yes and stuff that works on stage in our show so well would work just as well if we applied it to our business. You know, and some of the things about yes and is, like I said, being present, being in the moment being open to ideas and building on them, being an active listener, right? An active listener makes you a better communicator, being adaptable and flexible in your approach, right, to life, being yes. a team player and embracing collaboration, having a sense of play uh, at work and in life, not being afraid of the unknown and taking risks, and being unselfish and working together on stage to make each other look good. We thought, boy, that's 
that is great for improv. Is that also great for business? Well, as it turns out, yeah, it is. Uh, is that also really, really great for offstage stuff like in life, like with people, like family members? Yeah, yeah, coworkers. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah, it pretty much works for everything. And here's the great news, Lisa. You and your listeners, you know what? I'm an improviser by profession and trade, but we are all improvisers in our walk and journey in life. All of us are improvising. You and I did not script this conversation. You and I are going to go back and forth and improvise this whole thing. Yes. And we improvise our day. And hey, listen, if we're already improvisers, why not improvise in a more positive environment? That's what, yes, and that's what the book, that's what this is all about. Whether it's for business, an individual, what have you, an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. The yes and philosophy is for everybody. Frank, when I heard you say moments ago about being in the moment, the first thing that popped in my mind is is how pertinent this is now. It, it's mindfulness. It's what meditation is about. It's what Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle, and all the great mind-body-spirit writers have been talking to us about. And you and your group are telling us this, exposing this to us in a different genre through improv and through comedy, which I think speaks to a lot of people. You know, we all gravitate to information in various ways. And I think comedy is an amazing way to teach important lessons. It's easier for some people to receive than in a heady intellectual or psychological way. So I just thought how cool that it, I didn't know what your book was about when I got it. And I just fell in love immediately noticing how the principles in the book really relate to life, being in relationship, being in the grocery, paying for things. You're, you're always not knowing exactly what will happen from moment to moment. So these skills are really important. I'm so glad that you brought that up, uh, Lisa, that, that it, you're spot on with, with all of that. Yeah, yeah. a lot of what those guys are saying, like Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, and, and the modern day sort, sort of, you know, the Celestine prop, prophecies, the chicken soup for the soul, they're putting their own spin or packaging on age-old ideas or philosophies that, you know, Eastern philosophy has been talking about or trying to tell us about for years. <laughs> yeah. And and so our version of it is our packaging is seen through the lens of our story an improv group using humor and comedy to get those life messages across. So that, that's our own thumbprint, our own personal spin on it. And what we have found is yeah, humor is a great tool for doing that because it's the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down a little bit better. So uh, yeah, we use humor to kind of convey those same ideas that, that people have been talking about for centuries. Yeah, so, so we're just the, it's just the modern, our modern day take on it using our story, our successes and our failures um, to do it. So you're spot on with that. Well, and also what I thought was cool in reading the book is is the evolution of four day weekend and literally starting in a, another club and just your evolution of not knowing how you're going to draw an audience or how you're even going to pay to perform and just how life unfolded for you because you were committed to your dreams. And I think that, again, is another pertinent topic to our times today and how we grow and change and transform and evolve into our fullest selves and, and taking up our space. And I just loved how you all shared, just not knowing what's coming next, but people 
helped you. You know, certain people were sent to you and were willing to pitch in extra so that you guys could perform. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. You know, life, our entire life is a collaboration. I, I mean, it's just a whole, none of us are going it alone. I don't right. care what anyone says. Yeah. We're all in this, we're all in it together. So, so we are all as a species on planet earth doing one big improv show right now uh, mm-hmm. together. Uh, so, so that, that's the thing, you, you know, it's like, we, we can't go it alone. So we have to rely on each other to sort of improvise our, our way through this life. And, and what you were talking about, how things unfold, like in our book, it's the same thing on stage in improv, you know, somebody, uh, you know, yells out a suggestion like, Cal, I don't know what we're going to do based on the suggestion of Cal, but I know we're going to figure it out together real time, and we're just going to kind of keep moving forward. That's the thing about improv. We never know how the scene is going to unfold, because in improv, you never know where you're going. You only know where you've been. But what makes you confident to step into the unknown is the trust that you have built up with the other people on stage who surround you. And why do you have that trust? Well, because at four day, when I take the stage, I'm not thinking selfishly. I'm not thinking, oh my God, I hope there's a casting director out there and really going to show <laughs> off and, and showboat on stage and showcase myself because I want to be in so-and-so's next movie. No, that is not our approach at all. Uh, that would be antithetical and the antithesis of what we're teaching and preaching at four day. What we're talking about is If I take the stage, if you and I, Lisa, take the stage, it's my job when I take the stage to make Lisa look good. And it's your job, Lisa, to make me, Frank, look good. And if we both take the stage trying to make each other look good, well, guess what? We we both look good in the end. The show looks good. So, So extrapolate from that. If we as a species, as human beings, take the world stage trying to make each other look good in life, guess guess. Guess who's going to look good? All of us. Everything. So why can't we approach life, business, from a more improvisational, unselfish perspective than we currently do? This very selfish Machiavellian, uh, dog-eat-dog, got to stab the other guy in the back, uh, step on whoever you need to step on to climb the corporate ladder of success approach. Why? We're not, hard, we're not hardwired that way. We're not, unless you're a sociopath. But other than that, none of us are hardwired that way. The way that most human beings are hardwired is to help each other out, to be compassionate, to collaborate, and be, wait for it, empathetic. Remember empathy? Remember that? Uh, I I seem to recall somewhere along the way uh, that we're supposed to be uh, empathetic towards each other. That's a big one. So, So do we have to hurt people in this life, to run a business, to make money, to do the things that we need to do? Do we have to hurt people? No. I I would argue we never have to do that. Why can't we, since we're already improvising and collaborating, do it in a very positive way? That would be my challenge to everybody. So as you were just saying the word empathy, I was writing it with my pen. I jot down little notes to not forget points when I'm with a guest. So we're, we're certainly in sync. And what you're speaking about that I learned, again, through your book, I didn't know what the philosophies of improvisation were. And so this is one of them, moving from the me to the we 
perspective, we we that's right, which again is a property of of and partnership and coupleship. I interview a lot of relationship experts, and that's one of the number one precursors to having a successful relationship and marriage is moving from the me to the we. And here you are teaching this again in a different way. So it's just so cool. Empathy that our culture in some ways, and at least America, I think has tried for a period of time almost to um, teach us that being empathetic is weak. And I think our culture is shifting and coming back to those, I think, core foundational pieces of us as human beings is that we are empathetic and that we are naturally inclined to help and support and less outside forces disrupt that. So I just like how this became your business model intuitively. Yeah. You, you, you know, the thing was, it, it was, it felt very natural for us. Why? Be, because that's how humans are hardwired. You, you know, the, the other stuff that we're talking about, uh, the Machiavellian stuff, that's all programming. That That's how we're programmed to be or to act or, or to think in the outside world. That is not who we are. That's not how you start out. You don't start out that way. You're programmed that way over decades. But but that's not where, how you start out. The things in our book and what you do on stage organically, uh, it taps into who we are who we truly hard, are hardwired to be as humans. And, of course, empathy is one of them. And, yeah, we do have something in the book that talks about how to go from ego to we go. Now, look, ego is a killer in this life. It gets in the way of so many things. Now, is that to say that we, we have to exist without any ego? No. A little ego goes a long way, but a lot of ego gets in the way. And, and so we want to go from ego to we go. Improv, unlike stand-up, for instance, is all about collaboration, the group mind, getting together on stage. So it's, as opposed to ego, in improv, we go somewhere. We go together. We experience success together. And again, what is wrong with sharing credit and working together to all be successful? Like, what, somebody explain to me again fundamentally what's wrong with that is there anything wrong with that does it have to be a winner take all zero-sum gain approach to life is that really what it's all about i I would argue absolutely not absolutely not you know machiavelli said it's better to be feared than to be loved Mm. dumbest thing i ever heard (laughs) completely untrue stupid boo machiavelli and anyone who subscribes to that again unless you're a sociopath you know it's better to be loved than to be feared. Why not, through love, inspire people to do things together? Well, I don't, I don't understand where the disconnect is, other than the training. You were trained to be Machiavellian in your approach to life. But that is not who we are, and that is not how we're hardwired. And there's certainly no place for it on stage in improvisation in the way we do it. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, Frank, that I was curious about, and usually when I'm curious about something, a a listener is also, uh, how do you guys deal with, you gave the example, an audience member throws up cow. How do you deal with nerves and feeling nervous? Or what, is there a moment where it's like, OMG, (laughs) what, like, how do you guys deal with that? Well, Well, a couple of things. One is, 
you know, over time, every good performer, you always have some nervous energy. You just learn over time as a professional how to channel it into your performance uh, versus letting it paralyze you on stage. That's number number one. The other thing is is that there's strength in numbers, right? So I never worry about whatever's going to be thrown out because I know that every person on on stage with me, like I said earlier, is is unselfishly trying to make me look good. So so someone is even if we miss something, someone's going to be there to make sure the ball doesn't go out of bounds or we don't drop the ball on the carpet during the show. Uh, we're there to support each other. And, and over time, you learn to trust people on stage. You know that they're not going to make you look bad. So, so your, your nervous energy, therefore, is able to be channeled into your performance versus worrying about, hey, is this guy going to make me look stupid? Because we never have to worry about that on stage. So once you, once you remove that from the performance part of it, 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 it's just, you know, sky's the limit and then some. So what, what I hear you saying is that you have learned to trust the people that you are yeah. performing with as a team and also believing that you are supported, you know, the universe is for you, not against you. And I find yeah. I have a similar experience when I started my L.A. talk radio show two years ago. Um I was really nervous, even though every day I see strangers in my office, people that be, start as strangers as a psychotherapist. I don't know what someone's coming in my door with, and somehow I navigate that. So I thought, okay, Lisa, come on, you can you can interview people. Therapy is basically an interview from a place of active listening and being present without being judgmental, just like you spoke about in an improv philosophy. So, and also right. being prepared. It helps that I'm prepared for my shows. And and I think it also helps them for listeners to remind yourselves that, you, you know, people are for you. And if you, when you cultivate a life of, with a support system, like I'm believing my listeners are, are wanting this to be successful and wanting me to succeed and you, and they want to learn and, be exposed to new material. So it helps me when I get nervous to remind myself like, it's okay. Like people are here to support you. So I think that's always a nice reminder to hold in mind. It, yeah, it, it, it is. You said, I mean, trust is wildly important here. You know, we, we work with so many fortune 500 companies across the country. And, you know, in addition to wanting to be a better yes and culture and be better active listeners and communicators and leaders and adaptable. Uh, you, you know, one of the things that comes up within their culture, especially between companies that are merging together or groups within the company is trust. They want to address trust and how do we build trust within our organization? Um, and, and that's a big component of it. Now, once you have that, once you have real trust, you, you can do anything. I, I mean, think about it. I, it. You're talking to a guy who back in 1997 put in 700 bucks with his other buddy in Fort Worth, Texas. And we yesterday ended our way to the, doing a keynote for Congress and President Obama. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, how is that possible? Yes. Well, it's possible because we, we were a little naive, uh, certainly a little delusional, very passionate. But we also trusted each other that no matter what it was we said we were going to do, no matter what the goal was, we could yes end our way to it together. And, and no one was going to undercut or undermine anybody. And it's true. You know, um, 
you know, I'm here or my success is, is directly intertwined and, and tied into um, the support that I've had with my business partners and, and friends, I mean, and family. I mean, no question. <laughs> I mean, all of it is. And, and, and a lot of that is I trust them and, and love them dearly. And so all those things have fed into, you know, whatever success I've had and whatever success I'm going to have. Yeah, we, we don't go it alone, but trust is a big component. When you don't have trust, and you're constantly looking over your shoulder, or you're seeking to undermine the guy before or girl before they undermine you. I mean, oh my God, you, you know. I mean, you're surviving in this life, but you're not thriving in this life. When you when you don't have to worry about all that stuff, uh, you get to thrive in this life versus you know survive. So anyway, that that's our approach to it. And trust is a big component. You're right. It makes it easier. And as you were speaking, I was reflecting on. Uh, when I saw you guys on CNBC and that interview, one of the interviewers initially was kind of challenging you guys. Like, what can you do for us? Yeah. If I hired you, like I noticed, wow, this isn't feeling super safe emotionally. But one of you guys said <laughs> something about uh, building trust within their organization. And the energy shifted immediately and the interviewer softened. And that was kind of like an aha, like how could you guys do that? And I just noticed, wow, because a corporate environment, there's a lot of money on the table. Their time is of, of value. So how is it that you, you deal with corporate environments maybe differently than your audience when you're performing? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Because, you know, I mean, look, in a corporate environment, sometimes, it, you know, you can talk. It's always about the bottom line, right? You, you know, and, and but some things are hard to qualify or quantify, as you know. There's there's no way you could put metrics or data around. It's kind of like, you know, telling somebody in a corporate environment, you know, well, I think I think we need to be sincere. Oh, that's a great idea. How can we package and sell that? No, no, you can't. You can't package themselves sincere. You actually just have to be sincere. Well, what does that get you? Well, I, I don't know how to qualify that. I, I, it, it, I, I guess your mental wellness and health goes up. I guess your, the positivity that you're, you're emitting uh, in the groups and people around you uh, helps the world out as a whole. I don't know how to qualify positivity or positive people, uh, generally speaking, but I know it's a good thing. <laughs> and I know we can't always package and sell it. We just need to be it and do it. So, so yes, when you speak about those things in an interview, yes, the interviewer softened because now we're connecting with her on, uh, in a more humanistic way. Yes. It's I, not I, business. I saw that you could, I could feel it in watching the interview and that was mm -hmm. cool. And I imagine that, that how it is, that may be how it is for you guys when you are presenting in that venue that once there's the buy-in, the connection with your material and offering, there's like an aha moment. Yeah, there, there, there is. And it's why our, our message, you know, whether we're doing the keynotes or the workshops it, or, or, or working with universities, you know, we're entrepreneurs and residents at the Neely School of Business at the TCU. Uh, the reason it's resonating is because, yeah, people are 
starting to really hear us, especially now, and think, man, there has got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And so when we speak to them and they kind of look at our story and we talk to them uh, using words like empathy and and especially with the millennial generation, you know, this stuff really, really is with anybody. But it resonates because, yeah, we're coming at it from a, hey, like an improv and on stage, just like I do a scene with my my fellow performers in life, uh, we're all in this together. So let's collaborate and improvise together in a positive way. And I think that that mess, everyone kind of gets it. And they're like, yeah, we need to start being better improvisers in this life. And we need to start improvising together versus against each other and so on and so forth. So it, it, it's really resonating with people. It's fascinating and fun to watch and see the light bulbs go on. But yeah, yeah, it softens people because that's, again, who we are. Yeah, so Frank, I want to give our listeners your website in case they're in a place and want to pull it up. I'm a visual learner, so I like to have something to look at while I'm listening. So the website is fourdayweekend.com, and it's spelled out F-O-U-R, four-day-weekend, just to throw that That's in. That's right. So Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, another kind of big uh, aha moment for me in your book is when you guys talked about the evolution a four-day weekend, and at one point reaching relative success more than you ever had, and then thinking you need to change it up, you need to monetize, you need to do all these things that ended up being incongruent with with her, who you were as people, and and yes. fortunately being able to salvage and and set. Can you talk to our listeners some about that when things are going so well that you think you might need to change it up and how to handle those emotions? Yeah, well, well, in our case, you know, we have found over the last 21 years that when we adhered to the philosophies of yes and, uh, we found great success together. When we started to move away from it uh, and, and go towards more of the ego approach versus the we go, that's where we ran into problems. And, you know... There was a period within our career where, yeah, we, we were, the show was going gangbusters. We, we had, you know, uh, we were have sell out houses. Everything was grow, going great. And what happens, and we've all done it and or know people have done it. People, for whatever reason, <laughs> there's something in it sometimes, whether we don't think we deserve success, whether we, I don't know what it is, but we, we self-destruct or self-sabotage ourselves or others around us like, hey, things are going really well here. You know what this needs? A problem. You know, mm. what this, you know what this needs? Drama. That's what this needs. And it's like, why? Why does it need? No, it doesn't. It doesn't need any drama. It doesn't need any problems. Uh, why can't you just go with the chi or the flow uh, of, of the success and everything that you're doing? I don't know why we do it. Uh, maybe it stems from, you know, we don't deserve it, I guess. I don't know what the psychology is behind it. Uh, maybe it's a therapist you can speak to this. Uh, but I, regardless, that's what we do. And we, during our, we, we reached a point in our career where we each felt, because we had had success together for so long, uh, it was time to, like musicians do, right, you know, 
Sting had a lot of success with the police, but at some point Sting said, you know what I'm going to do? A solo album, <laughs> right? Why? Why? Why does Sting want to do a solo album? Why did we feel as uh, uh, co-workers and teammates and best friends feel the need to do our version of a solo album, to go out to write a script, to do this, to that? I don't know. Uh, maybe it's, it's maybe familiarity breeds contempt. Maybe it's boredom. Maybe, maybe you as an individual want to see, hey, I know I'm successful with these guys, but can I be successful on my own? Whatever those things are that are tugging and pulling at you, um, they usually happen uh, when you're young or younger, which in our case it did. And I think we all felt that we just had a crossroads that we had something to prove individually. And, mm-hmm. and even though we found some individual success, it never compared to the success and the fun that we had doing it together. And fortunately, in our case, and through YesN, we realized our folly. We realized our mistakes. And we said, you know what? This, we don't want this to go away. Why would we want? We built this universe, this life. Why, 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 what are we looking for in Hollywood or L.A. or here or there? You know, our focus was being so splintered at that point. We thought, gosh, right. you know, I haven't, I, I haven't worked with Harvey Keitel yet. I need to work with Harvey Keitel. You know, what? Like, so we were, we were always trying to look beyond the success that we had because we thought it was bigger and better. And what we were overlooking was we had already had the utopian scenario <laughs> in yeah. our midst. We were, we were overlooking uh, the great thing we built. And fortunately, in our case, sometimes it doesn't happen. We figured it out in time and said, wait a minute, this is awesome. And so we kind of came back together, got over our individual egos. And, and then that's when things really started to take off for us, because now we were a unified front again with a group mind. We had some wisdom based on the mistakes and the pitfalls that we had. And now, today, I can honestly tell you, we are stronger and wiser and more passionate than we've ever been. We are at the top of our game right now. But we had to go through that to have the evolution in thinking that we had, right? Yeah. And and again, what I hear you saying, I think as humans, we often think the grass is greener syndrome over there and for you guys I I think though it it speaks to your wanting to grow and be on the cutting edge of being your best selves that you did expand and try in the ways you did with LA and and doing a TV show and the ways that you tried that ended up not really resonating with the group but the fact that you tried it I think that's the best thing we can do for ourselves is try and when things start falling apart and and there's dissension, then that's a clue. Okay, maybe this isn't the way we expand, but you were your whole focus has been on expansion and growth. And sometimes we kind of fumble around until we find that path for ourselves. That's exactly right, and and that's why it was important for us to put some of the stumbling around parts in the book. I mean, we needed to do that because. We, you know, we, we, we don't want this to be, a, you know, this Pollyanna sort of, and everything worked, the end. Uh, we <laughs> wanted to show people that, that yeah, we, we screwed up too. Uh, you know, I'm sure on some level we'll screw up again. But we had to go through that. But, but, but to know that this sort of yes and philosophy, this collaboration, this, this 
this fellowship, this friendship, whatever you want to call it. That, that was the thing, the, the common thread, uh, the lifeblood and the lifeline uh, that, that held all of it together and, and still does and always will, uh, you know. So, so, but we wanted to talk about some of the, the shortcomings and the mistakes because we want to let people know that, hey, if you do this, it can help fix some of that stuff. Even when you screw up, you go back to it, It'll help fix some of that stuff. It certainly did in our case. So that that we just wanted to, to, to humanize our experience and share some of the mistakes with people as well as the successes. So yeah, there you go. so it's more yeah. well-rounded. <laughs> and earlier as well, a few moments ago in our conversation, when you were talking about things going well and what is it? What is that underlying psychology around uh, when we begin to self-sabotage? a fear of getting too comfortable. And I think it's fear. I think at some point yes. when we're really living our dream, when we're experiencing love and contentment and happiness and success and being in the flow, there's sometime this fear that crops up. Like what if, what if this runs out or what if people get sick of me or all the what ifs put us into a place of fear. And, and even for myself, I've been on the air now two years. Last uh, early March was my two-year anniversary, and I've done pretty much the same introduction for two years. And suddenly, I thought I need to change my introduction, and I wrote a whole new introduction <laughs> that I kind of fumbled through last week. And again, before coming on with you, I was rewriting that same new intro, and I just crumpled it up and threw it on the in the floor on the floor. And I'm like, screw this! You know, I've used this intro that I feel comfortable with giving my website and how listeners can reach me and be a guest or give me feedback. Like, I'm just going to stick with what's worked. And additionally, David, I even, I mean, Frank, I'm looking at the book, David, Frank, and David. Sorry. I know I'm with No, no problem. Um, (laughs) Even on the show, I've done an audio show for two years. I thought, well, maybe I need to start doing like a, a video transmission of my show with the camera on me in the studio. And I thought, Oh, my God, Lisa, Like that's the last thing you do. People don't want to see you flipping through your paperwork, <laughs> taking notes without makeup, you know, like thumbing through things on your computer at times, like keep going with what works. So, again, that fear even got to me of we need to change what's working when we really need to just commit again and keep ourselves in alignment and in tune, I think, with what's working. Well, that's exactly look. look. Lisa, you know this. It, it, over the course of your life, every single person has to reinvent themselves uh, a few times, right? I mean, we're not, we are obviously not the same person we were as a teenager who became a young adult. Thank God. Became, uh, right? So, <laughs> so we're constantly reinventing ourselves uh, throughout this this life. And, and, and in between these major reinventions, there's a lot of mini reinventions that we do, like changing the top of the show or doing, you know, so we, we, we should be in a constant state of flux because that's how learning happens. And that's what's exciting about life. If you make your choices, life choices or any choices based on fear, you are playing the prevent defense of creativity mm. and life. Why would you do this? Why, why would you do it? Right. There's so much to learn. You never, you never learn everything. Why would you play the prevent defense of education and learning and life? You wouldn't do that. And one of the things we say in our book is, look, the, the whole thing, this, this whole journey, this whole thing, this life, it's all about the leap. It isn't about the landing. Mm. You're going to land somewhere, Lisa, we're all going to land somewhere, but if we're 
unwilling to make the leap ever and do what we want to do, do what we love to do, be with this person, be with that person, build this business, build that business, visit this country or that country, learn this language or this language. If we're afraid to do any of that stuff and afraid to make the leap in this life, well, again, you know, you're surviving, not thriving, right? right? So it's all about the leap. Life is one leap after another, from one trapeze bar to another, from one lily pad to another. That's the whole thing is about the leap. All of that. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's the unknown, but you can't let fear dictate your choices. My goodness, where would we be? And you wouldn't I, have your show and I wouldn't have a book. <laughs> yes, and I think it's about that middle space in between the leaps that you were speaking of, in between the trapeze bars, in between the lily pads. What are we thinking then? What are we telling ourselves then? What are we filling ourselves with during those spaces? I think that determines where yeah. we land next. Yeah, I, I mean, look, if you're a person who makes the leap and you're leaping with anything is possible in mind, guess what? Anything's possible. You know, if you're making that leap thinking, oh, my God, is there a shark in between these lily pads that's going <laughs> to eat me? You know, are you, think, are you thinking the worst? Well, okay, <laughs> then maybe you're going to get eaten. I don't know. It's an old Henry Ford quote. Uh, Henry Ford once said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, Frank, I, I wanted you to talk to our listeners about a portion of the book that's about ROI that I thought was return on investment. Can you talk to us ah. about that is for, for you guys that you're teaching? Okay. So, yes, we understand that ROI, because it is a business book uh, first, uh, ROI to a business person is return on investment. However, we co-opted that uh, and made ROI return on improvisation. Now, you've got the book in front of you, right? Yeah, so I do. Look, 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 at, uh, look at our name, and you'll see that there's a gold R in Ahern, a gold O uh, in Ford, oh my and gosh. a gold I in Wilk. in Wilk. Now, that is a happy accident. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I did not notice that, and, so, and now it's jumping uh, off the cover. I know. Wow. It's like a little Easter egg on the cover of the book. What do you think about that? That's cool. <laughs> so, so what we did was we co-opted uh, uh, return on investment and made it return on improvisation. And in the book, we, we talk about how you can measure or, or, or doing the exercises and, 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 and things that we put in the book for you to do, how you can sort of measure where you were versus where you are at or where you want to be. So the return on investment is more of a, a, a kind of a, a quantitative way uh, to, to qualify, you, you know, what improv is doing for you as an individual or what improv is doing for you uh, as a company. You know, we're, we're probably in our follow-up book. It's our follow the second book, the compendium to this, is going to be a series of case studies and testimonials uh, from the different universities we worked with, different companies that we've worked with that will show everybody, hey, here's how company A used it, and here's how they addressed this issue within their corporate culture, and here was the result. Versus this graduate program at this university that used this, and here was the result. 
And that's what return on improvisation is. Cool. I liked that. And I, I another piece as well, I'm aware we have about eight more minutes, is will you talk to us about, instead of using the word mistakes, that we make higher percentage versus lower percentage choices, <laughs> which I really loved because it, it takes us out of the blame game and judgmentalness right. into just looking at something more objectively. Yeah, it, 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 it does. Well, yeah, so, so we say at 40 Weekend, uh, there are no right or wrong answers. There are only higher and lower percentage choices. And the reason we have that loophole or that wiggle room is, like you said, it takes it out of the black and white, puts it into the shades of gray. And it's not a blame game. He, he you know, you versus me or me versus you, whatever. It, it's not about that. And what we have found is when you do that, when you get into higher and lower percentage choices and ideas based on that, what you find is, is that if you, you will find that if you yes at what is seemingly a low percentage choice, uh, what most people might deem a mistake. They would, they would look at something and go, that's stupid, that's a mistake, and they'd blow right by it without mm. ever seeing the gem of, of an opportunity that is latent or lies in wait within that seemingly low percentage choice yes. or mistake. What we have found is if you yes and that low percentage choice, it can become the greatest out-of-left-field, out-of-the-box idea that you would have never thought of because you would have dismissed it long before any discussion was had around it. So in our world, because we don't approach it from a right-wrong, uh, we find that we, yes, end these low percentage choices, and they become these happy accidents, these crazy happy accidents. And, and the universe and life is constantly throwing out these opportunities and signs and and. And yeah. things your way that most people go, ah, that, that's, that's an obstacle or that's a hurdle, and then go the other way. And all life is doing is saying, oh, it might be a little challenging, but if you get ended, you're going to create an opportunity or an idea here that would have never existed otherwise. If everybody was doing it, well, there'd be no challenge here. And so we just say, oh, it wasn't a mistake. It was a happy accident. Yeah, there you go. And I'd like to dovetail on that. Early on in the book, you guys talk about implementing yes and. And so it's a suggestion, you know, that you guys started using. You started doing that in your personal lives, in your business life. So I started doing that yeah. this week in my text messages, in my emails, looking for ways to implement saying yes. And then I'll follow up with and I'm wondering if blah, blah, blah. And I've had such yeah. a favorable response. So I'm really a fan of uh, material that's helpful and just real life and usable. So I really appreciate your work for that reason. So listeners, if Thank you just you. even, you're welcome, change your text, your emails to say yes, and maybe include a request or include something that you might have phrased otherwise. I've just liked to have a very go-to uh, easy method to kind of test out. It's been really fun using this. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. That's see that. That is exactly like like that's a scenario like putting it in your email. I never even thought about that. But that's a great idea. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm going to steal oh, cool. it. I'm going to start doing that. That's great. Yeah. What a great. Well, thank you. That's great. You're, so you're, you're welcome. So I have another question for you, Frank. Just being that you yeah. guys have performed for President Obama and the vice president, and I mean, that's just so awesome. I, I feel so full and, and happy just thinking of, of that for you guys. Is there a guest, an organization, 
kind of that you'd love to perform for or speak to that you guys haven't yet? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, that is a great question. Um, boy, I, you know, I, I have not I have not thought about that. We've been very, very fortunate, uh, uh, to, you know, to get to do stuff like that. We, we One of the things we do like to do, and, and you kind of are talking about this, and we talk about it in the book, is uh, getting to do this for people that <laughs> excuse me, may not have an exposure to it. For instance, I would like to talk to groups um, uh, that, that might need improvisation, uh, you know, in their lives. For instance, you know, we got to do a, uh, an Armed Forces Entertainment uh, tour for the troops. And so what inspired us after that was we created a program for, like, military veterans who come back to the States and they're trying to uh, assimilate back into the secular world and and we have a program called from yes sir to yes and right oh that's awesome and it's sort of open right so it's kind of opened the door to these military veterans which is a new group for us and and we kind of are putting this program together and speaking to them so to get to speak to more of these military uh veterans have uh, done so much for our country and teach them how to go from yes sir to yes and I think for us in the immediate future, that's a group that we would target as a group that, that we want to talk to uh, more in the future because we're developing that program for them. That's so, powerful. From yes, sir, to yes, and. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll share yeah. with you, that after seeing you guys performing for President Obama, I was like, okay, who would I love to interview? And it was an instant for me to be Oprah. So anyone out there, if oh. you can hook me up with Oprah... I'd be so grateful. Have her people get in touch with me and um, NOLA therapy. I'd be so pleased and honored to speak with her. So I thought, wow, if you guys can be in front of the president, I can interview Oprah. Uh, you know what, Lisa? You know what I love about this interview is that you used an interview with me to yes and a way for you to put it out there that you want to interview Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wow. yes and. That's good. That is good. You've learned yes that you you're doing very well with this yes and stuff, Lisa. <laughs> I, I really like the book you guys put out. It's really high quality and usable. And so, for our listeners to go over again, this book is called "Happy Accidents: The Transformative Power of Yes and at Work and in Life." Is this on audiobook also? I think I saw that somewhere. It is. You know what? Yeah, it was great. That it just came out. Uh, an audible version is now available, and the guy who narrated it actually said, hey, this is a really good book, if I do say something myself. Like, he plugged himself, but he also plugged the book. He, he basically really enjoyed narrating it. He got a lot out of it. So, yes, it is uh, it is available in Audible. Oh, on Audible. Oh, an my Audible sponsor. Format. That's so awesome. So, on audible.com, yeah. this book is available. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and our narrator plugged it himself. It was so funny. <laughs> so I also want to let our listeners know that you guys have a four-day weekend training center that offers improv classes. And however you'd like to end our show in the next minute or so, Frank, I'd love for you to just leave our listeners with what's most important for you. Oh, well, I'll, I'll tell you. Here, here's the thing that I would say to, to your listeners is this, and it's something that a uh, teacher of mine told me. Uh, many, many years ago when I was in his class, he said, Frank, the only thing I ask of you is that you allow yourself to be a student. Mm. And of course, being young, 
and naive. I was like, well, yeah, I'm in your class by default. I'm a student, technically speaking. But he was coming at it from a more Zen-like, Buddhist-like perspective. What he meant was, allow yourself long, long after my class to be a student of life forever. Recently, we were in New York to promote the book, and some, they asked they asked the question, it was learning is, and then you had to finish it. Uh, and I, you had to improvise whatever the answer was. And my, my answer was, learning is forever and then some. Mm. So I would ask or challenge all of your listening to, hey, look, you're never going to be the know-it-all. Spoiler alert, it never happens. You're never going to learn everything. Just challenge yourself to be a student in this life for the rest of your life. That's all. And, and you're going to open up the door to so many possibilities. It's going to be unbelievable. And yes, and is a way for you to foster that sort of student relationship with life. So that's what I would say to people. Allow yourself to be a student. Beautiful. How can listeners reach out to you and David and David and find out more about four-day weekend tickets to come see you in Fort Worth and Dallas, the training center, et cetera? All right. Well, I'm going to give your listeners David Ahern and David Wilkes' personal cell phone number. So get ready with your pen. And- no, I'm joking. Uh, no, they. Could you imagine? Wow. Uh, no, they can just. They, if they're interested in seeing our live show, uh, any kind of corporate entertainment or, or our training center or learning more about the book, they can go to fourdayweekend.com, as you said, spelled out F O U R D A Y weekend.com. Or go to Amazon, and you can buy uh, Happy Accidents, The Transformative Power of Yes Send at Work and in Life. And we look forward to seeing you in a keynote, a workshop, a show, uh, or leave a good review for our book. That'd be great. Absolutely. I've just loved talking to you, Frank. Thank you for being my guest today. Likewise, Lisa. It was so much fun speaking with you, and it was an honor to be your guest on the show. I really, really enjoyed it. You're, you're a really great interviewer, actually. Thank you're you. really good. And... I sent you a Facebook friend request in case you want to be friends last night. Uh, Yes, and what took you so long? (laughs) Thank you so much, and I just hope you have a great day, and I wish you guys continued success. Thank you, Lisa. The same goes out to you. Uh, Continued success. Thank you. Thank you as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That concludes our show for today. Please join in next week as I bring you another inspiring guest. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. 
internet that can handle a house full of screens at once with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas.